always good to be in the Lord's house. I look forward to being here each and every week, but I also come with heavy hearts often, and I often come with a message on my heart that sometimes wouldn't make any sense if it wasn't that we were just going through a particular series like last week as we looked at the scriptures and we saw the defeat that God's people experienced. And it was because of sin. And we asked ourselves, really, what is standing in the way of our relationship with God this past seven days? And I hope you found great ground to, to take in that area as you and God work through some stuff. Last week we talked about stealing. This week, I might step on some more toes this week as we come to chapter 9. Now, you may be wondering, why did we skip chapter 8? Chapter 8 is them just going back to, to the city of Ai and finding victory because they dealt with sin and then great victory came on the heels of that. And that would be a great sermon to preach right there. But God led me to chapter 9 because we're going to be dealing with something today that I think is rampant in our society. And that is the lack of integrity. The lack of integrity. The lack of integrity has become such commonplace in this world that it is just a general acceptance that somebody is going to lie to us and disappoint us. Unfortunately, God's people are part of that number. And it should not be that way. But today we're going to be diving into this idea of lying and deceiving. Lying has become an epidemic in our society. Especially when truth is no longer respected. When truth no longer matters. Integrity happens when no one is looking. Some people have defined integrity as what happens behind closed doors when no one is looking. But I'm here to tell you, integrity begins there, but it comes into the public view when it's really there. And today I'm going to be looking at the public view of integrity and how we are to deal with it because, hey, I'll just, I'll just take a straw poll right now. This is going to be the self-research group, okay? How many of you have ever been lied to or deceived about something? Look at the hands all across this room. Well, I think today's message will probably fit right in to your life Maybe right where you are, so that you will know how to deal with the lack of integrity in this world and with those that you know. Someone will lie to you. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on now. We know it's true. Help me preach this morning. Help me tell the truth and shame the devil. Someone is going to lie to you. Someone is going to deceive you. And if you think someone's not going to lie to you or deceive you, then hold on. We're going to look in God's truth and find a biblical truth, a biblical precedent that we will understand that that is true. Many of us today, we know this word, right? Scam. Anybody here ever been a victim of a scam? I see some hands going up. I have. I have bought into a scam I even bought into the Microsoft scam where somebody says that your computer is sending these errors and you need to um, 
contact us immediately and you call, call them and they say, well, we, we need to get on your computer to fix this because it's sending these errors to the Microsoft server and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there working on it. And all of a sudden my wife says, it's a scam. It's a scam. Honey, it's a scam. <laughs> Thank God for my wife that day. I consider myself a pretty good guy with technology and I can recognize these things most of the time. But I didn't that day. Thank God for Jane to look it up on the computer and she's over there researching while I'm on the phone with these people and realize it's a scam. Some of us can fall for a scam. And what do we do when we do fall for a scam? How do we respond? God forbid any of us is part of it. But you know what? there's a good probability that all of us at some point has scammed someone, even on a low level, maybe a small level. So today we're going to be talking about some stale bread and some dirty clothes. Stale bread and dirty clothes. We're in Joshua chapter 9 and there has been this great, great victory over Ai because they dealt with their sin and they went and they took Ai. Now, if you remember back when they were about to take Jericho, that uh, there was this news that they received that everybody's heart had melted. Everybody's heart had gotten scared of the children of Israel. Well, there was the defeat, and then there was the victory again. So here's what happens. Let's uh, look in chapter 9. Open your Bibles there, or on the YouVersion app, you, you can see it there. Or uh, maybe you just need to get your Bible out and look at it, however you want to do it, or you got the notes with you. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 9, and we're going to find out that it came about when all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland and all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard of it, that they gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua and with Israel. So, in other words, all these guys got together and said, you know what, we can't whoop them by ourselves, but maybe if we get together, we can whoop them together. Yeah, that's a, that's a Dahlonega term right there. That's, that's going to be a little hard to translate. They were going to get together, form this alliance, and go against Joshua and the children of Israel. But there was one king that said, you know what? That's an idea, but i got another one. I'm going to try a different idea. When the inhabitants, verse 3, of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they also acted craftily and set out as envoys and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and wineskins worn out and torn and mended and worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes on themselves and all the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. They went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you are living within our land. How then shall we make a covenant with you? I like that it says you're living within our land because they had accepted the fact that God said He had given them the land. And so they're being cautious. So how can we know? Perhaps you are living within our land. How then shall we make a covenant with you? Verse 8. But they said to Joshua... We are your servants. 
Then Joshua said to them, Who are you and where did you come from? They said to him, Your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon the king of Heshbon and Og the king of Bashan who was at Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now then, make a covenant with us. This is our bread. It was warm when we took it for our provisions out of our houses on the day that we left to come to you. But now, behold, it is dry. It has become crumbled. These wineskins which are filled were new and behold they are torn. And these are clothes and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. Now as you look at this story something very interesting leaps out. There are some things that we all can understand that is a biblical precedent that God lets us know right up front. There is the problems that exist Right now, and you can write this first one down. Now, it may not surprise you, but it may surprise you that we can find it in the Bible. Because you've probably experienced it in your life and that it's real. So write this down. Number one, people will lie and deceive you to protect themselves. People will lie and deceive you simply to protect themselves. So do not be surprised when someone does that. See, here in Scripture, we have this king who came and even used God's name and made it sound good. He sent these messengers and they were making it sound good. They even went as far as to put on old, dirty clothes, get some wineskins that were cracked and bread that was dry to make their lie look believable. Let me tell you something. Sometimes a lie is really hard to catch. Because the enemy will work so much to make the lie look so true that we'll buy into the lie as truth. We'll think what is being told to us is really truth. And then this is what is going on right here is, is these people have come. Not only are they saying we came from a far country, but they have evidence right in front of them to say, Hey, look here. Look at these wineskins. Now, here's something really interesting. And you, some of you can take this to the bank. Because you haven't experienced this yet, especially if you're young. If you're in high school, college, if you're a young adult, and I think a lot of you will probably be able to confirm what I'm about to tell them. If someone goes above and beyond to try to convince you that they're telling the truth, they're probably not telling the truth. Anybody agree with that? Look at the hands. Look at the heads nodding. When someone is going above and beyond to point out the evidence to make sure you understand they're telling the truth, most of the time they're not. So you need to take a step back and go, well, maybe this person isn't being as honest as I thought they are. So what exactly is a lie? Now, because I don't want you to get confused if someone tells you something and it turns out not to be true, but they believed it to be true when they told you that's not a lie. A lie is a false statement made with a deliberate intent to deceive. If, if you tell something to someone and it turns out to be something different and you did not know that, that's not a lie. But if you tell something to someone and you knew different, that is a lie. 
If you tell somebody and you don't tell them the whole truth and you're holding back some truth because you know that it's going to turn out a different way, that's a lie. Because remember, the definition is it is done deliberately with an intent to deceive. So a lie is something that they are doing here. They are lying to God's people, to God's man. They are lying. There is a deceit that goes on. A deceit is the concealing or distorting of the truth for the purpose of misleading. Fraud. That's what these messengers are doing. There is a deceit. There is a lie. There is fraud going on. And before we get too far, I want to tell you this. Sometimes we all lie and deceive ourselves, don't we? We lie and deceive ourselves to think that I'm all right. Going back to hidden sins like last week that everything will be okay. We must be careful not to lie and deceive ourselves. If we lie and... Here's a good one. You might want to write this down. God just shared this with me. If we lie and deceive ourselves, we will lie and deceive other people. But when we're truthful with ourselves and truthful before God, we're going to find our integrity go up a notch. What we do to ourselves in regards to God will spill over when it comes to other people. And today, Elmer Towns said, The Israelites accepted their stale bread as a basis for peace. The promises of a liar are worse than dry, stale bread. These people lied. The second problem is this. We get ahead of seeking God's counsel. People come, they tell us things, and we think they're true. And they deceive us and they lie. Now, look, look here. Verse number 14. This is a key verse in this story. Don't miss this. Obviously, we have read through and it has been revealed to us up front. We know the end of the story. They're lying and deceiving. But let's look and see where the problem really was. It's in verse 14. So the men, so the men of Israel took some of their provisions... And did not, I'm going to say that again, and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. There's the big problem. See, they were encountered with someone telling a lie that they even had the evidence to back it up to make it look like truth. But they did not seek the counsel of of the Lord. Now this is God's children who, who has been delivered and they have found victories and great things have, have happened. They are called His children, but yet they come to this place and they don't seek the Lord's counsel. Why do you think they did that? Because in the moment they went with their logic. They trusted these people that they were telling the truth because the evidence looked like they were. We encounter people like that each and every day. We have admitted, many of us, that we've been victims of a scam. What do we do? How do we deal with this? Look, you're not alone. It didn't just happen in 2020 or 2019 or 2010 or, or 2000, whenever it happened in your life. It happened right here with Joshua. When they got into the new land, a scam came up and they believed it. And the biggest problem 
wasn't the lie, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to me. Don't miss this. The biggest problem was not the lie and the deceit. It was God's people not seeking His counsel to get clarity on the real truth. That's the biggest problem. See, we can walk and understand. People are going to lie to us and they're going to deceive us. But the bigger problem is, is we don't seek God's counsel. We don't ask Him. We don't, we don't stay in tune with Him enough to be able to let the Holy Spirit resonate with us to say something's wrong here. One of the things that I learned early on, I had someone share with me that I needed to always listen to the discernment of my wife because she was going to have discernment greater and higher than myself. And I want you to know that if Jane Self looks at me and says there is something wrong here, I listen because she has a great deal of discernment. And I'm going to be honest with you. Don't tell her. Don't listen, honey. There are times I thought she was wrong. There have been times I'm going, yeah, she's, she's, she's missed it this time. She's just missed it. There's nothing wrong here. <laughs> you know where this is going? <laughs> and come to find out she was right. We have to seek the Lord and be open to listen to Him and be very careful. So let's, let's keep going here. We have to seek God's counsel. They got ahead of themselves in seeking the Lord and decided to do it on their own. But you know, the Bible promises us that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it generously without reproach. James 1.5 God will give you wisdom if you're faced with something and you're going, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is this right? As a matter of fact, I would encourage you with any and every decision to take it before the Lord. Take it in, in morning prayer and say, Lord, yesterday I was faced with this decision. If I made the wrong choice and it's not truth, then get me out of it. Let me know and I'll walk away. Because God can fix our mistakes. Thank the Lord He can fix our mistakes when we fall for things. But let's keep reading because verse 15, Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. See the results of the lie and the deceit and the lack of seeking God led to a covenant. Now covenants in the Old Testament were serious. These are not contracts. These are not like a promise. Covenants basically said they would, they would take an animal, cut it in half. The parties would walk down the middle of one half of the animal over here, one half of the animal over there. They'd walk through it to the other side and they would be declaring that if I break this covenant what happened to this animal may it happen to me so they made a covenant this is a serious deal this wasn't say I promise I'm not gonna hurt you it is a covenant and it came on the heels of a lie and deceit and a lack of seeking God so there's this covenant but I want us to get to verse 16 it came about at the end of three days. Did you hear that? Three days. At the end of three days, they, they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. How many days did they believe the lie? Three days. But what happened in the end? The truth was known. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you may think... That someone can lie and deceive 
and that they will get away with it. But I declare to you, according to God's word, there is nothing under heaven hidden that shall not be revealed. The truth will be known. So I implore you that if you are living a lie or you're lying about something or that you're being deceitful about something, you're not telling the whole truth, you're holding back something, do not let the sun go down until you make that right with God. Because the truth is going to come out. And I hope that scares you to death. Because it needs to. God takes this very serious. Last week it was about stealing. This week is about lying and deceiving. But there's a hard position to take here. When we are lied to and deceived, and we make a decision based on wrong information, and we make a commitment, a covenant, and then we find out that the information we, was giving, we were giving is not actually accurate, what do we normally like to do? What's the first emotion? Somebody just share with me. Anger. Absolutely. You get angry, don't you? You go, I can't believe they did that to me. They lied to me. They deceived me. I'm just going to confess to all of you. Something upset me recently. I went to Chick-fil-A. And while I was at Chick-fil-A, I ordered the grilled chicken sandwich. And they gave me this little packet of sauce that was called some kind of a roasted honey um, sauce or something, you know, it's honey roasted barbecue sauce, right? I opened that packet. First time I've ever tried the little packet of sauce. I opened it up. I put it on my sandwich and I took a bite. I went, wait a minute. And so then I took a little bit of the sauce all by itself and I went, hold on just a roasted honey barbecue sauce. Wait just a minute. This is the Chick-fil-A sauce. I thought this whole time that the Chick-fil-A sauce was, was, was a special sauce created just by Chick-fil-A and it sit right over here and it's completely separate from everything else and you get that Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A sauce. Anybody here like Chick-fil-A sauce? I mean, I love me some Chick-fil-A. As a matter of fact, my wife just made my life as she found a big bottle of Chick-fil-A sauce and it's sitting in our refrigerator right now. It's the gl most glorious thing ever. But I found this Roasted honey barbecue packet sauce. And I put it on my sandwich and I'm like, wait just a second here. So I took it home. I took it home and I got me a couple of little bitty cups. And I put some Chick-fil-A sauce in one cup. I put, I squeezed out of the packet in the other cup. And I went to my son because he's a connoisseur of food, let me tell you. <laughs> and so I walked into the living room with my two cups of sauce. And I stood before my son. I said, okay, I need you to do a taste test. Make sure I'm not crazy. I want you to taste this one. And I want you to taste this one. He tasted them. And at first he thought, oh, these are going to be different. And he goes, yeah. And then he started having this weird look on his face. like, wait a minute. And he sticks his finger in there again. He does it again. He says, these are the exact same thing. And all of a sudden, I was validated in my feelings of being deceived this whole time. So if you go to Chick-fil-A and you get the, the, the grilled chicken sandwich, you can put Chick-fil-A sauce on it, or if they give you that little packet that says roasted honey barbecue sauce, it's the exact same thing. I know that's a weird story. But the thing is, 
Sometimes we believe things to be true and they turn out not to be. What do we do with it? How do we treat the people? How do we move forward as individuals when we find ourselves living in the midst of a deceit or a lie? Good question, right? Well, let's really look at the hard position that we must take as children of God, as people who have uh, said Christ is our Lord and Savior, here is the hard position we must take. I'm here to tell you, this is, this is not going to be popular. It's not going to make you feel good. It's not going to make you jump up and down and say, Man, Pastor, that sure was a good sermon today. I'm all over that. It's going to make you have to step back. Here it is. Our words and actions made under God should not be conditional on people's actions. What we say and do cannot be conditional based on what other people say and do. Do you hear me? Joshua is faced with the idea that he has been lied to and he has been deceived. He has entered into a covenant. And by all stretches of the imagination and in the world's eyes, we could just simply mark it off and say, you know what, Joshua, go kill every one of them. They lied to you. But yet... Let's look and see what Joshua did because he made this under God. And some of you may say, well, when I do business, I don't do it under God. God help you if you don't. Because God knows every business deal, every word you take, every action, everything you got hidden. If you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, everything you say and do is under God. But let's look and see what happens here. Verse 17, Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Shephrah and Baroth and Kirith Jerim. The sons of Israel did not strike them. They didn't strike them. They didn't kill them. Because why? Because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Our problem isn't that we make promises and covenants. It's that we don't do it under God like we should. These people understood what they said and the covenant they made was under God Almighty and He has a different standard and it's not based on what other people do to us. It's based on what He has said and what He directs. See, I told you this wouldn't be popular and you wouldn't like it. Because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. You know what happens whenever you get scammed? Man, we fuss, don't we? We fuss, we grumble. They did this. It's not a new thing. It reveals the nature of us. But verse 19, But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them. Even let them live so that wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we swore to them. See, this is a standard that is set forth in Scripture that we like to ignore. We will treat others based on how they've treated us. But Jesus Christ said to treat others as you want to be treated. Jesus sets a standard in our life that if we say something, we need to stick to it, whether it benefits us or not. Oh my goodness, that's tough, Pastor. Yes, it is. But that is a biblical standard in which He's called us to live. is to live by our word with integrity in what we say and what we do and not base it off of whether I'll do it because of somebody else's actions. God has called us to love people. God has called us to serve people. God has called us to be men and women, young men and young women of integrity and truth. 
More is accomplished in God's kingdom when we suffer for others that have done wrong to us and we live in integrity. There is greater gain in the kingdom of heaven when we live like that. Now, it doesn't mean that they simply get away with it because we find it, when you finish reading chapter 9 that Joshua and the leaders say, Hey, we can't kill you. We've already made that covenant. But we're going to make you slaves. You're going to live among us. So what happens to this group of people? Well, in Joshua chapter 10, it tells us a miracle of God was worked on the behalf of these people, the Gibeonites. Because they confessed. They said, yes, sir, we deceived you. We lied. We're sorry. Please don't kill us. He said, we made a covenant with our God. And that covenant is not based on your actions. It's based on our relationship with Him. What we do in business or in our homes or with our friends or with our family is not dependent upon them, but our relationship with God and what He's called us to do and in the integrity He's called us to live. That's what we need to walk in. Chapter 10, there's a miracle of God that is worked because of the Gibbonites. He chose the Gibbonites as the place, the Gibbon, the place where they live as the place to put the altar in a tabernacle where God's presence would be displayed. One of the, a Gibbonite was one of David's mighty men in 1 Chronicles. A Gibbonite helped Nehemiah rebuild the wall in Jerusalem after it had been torn down. What grace that God took a group of people that lied and deceived and used them for His plan and His glory. So ladies and gentlemen, if you have found yourself lying or deceiving, it's not too late. God can use you because of the grace of Jesus Christ, because of His sacrifice on the cross and Him raising from the dead. We can overcome lying and deceiving. And I want to really make this clear. I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to shout this out to you that you hear this clear. I'm not going to raise my voice loud, but I want you to hear this. Pay attention. If you think your lie and your deceit is going to not be uncovered, it will. Let this be a warning to you, to one and all. If you're lying and deceiving, God will reveal the truth in the end. So I hope someone, if you're struggling and dealing with something that you think you're, you've got hidden, that you're deceiving people with or you're lying about, that you will turn that over to God and repent. Psalm 15.4 says, A despicable person is despised in his eyes, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He takes an oath to his own detriment and does not change. In other words, that scripture says that sometimes we follow through with what we've said even when it costs us something. Because I would rather it cost me something here on earth in a relationship or financially than I would want it to cost me between me and my Heavenly Father. So we have a choice that we must make. Truth, commitment, integrity. These are words that are flippantly thrown around today, but they are character traits we do not see a lot of today. I declare to you as, as children of God, let us be the one to stand on the forefront, to move forward with the idea of integrity, of truth, character. Someone who does what they say they're going to do. Someone who follows through and sticks with it. Even when we are lied to and deceived, that we don't back down. We keep moving forward and we say, you know what? Yeah, this is hard. This is difficult. But I'm going to stick with what God has called me to do and what He has said, even if it does not benefit me.
Forgiveness. It's the last thing I want to talk about before we get into what do I do. Because when we have been deceived and we have been lied to, we want to hold a grudge, don't we? Somebody just say amen and, and shame the devil. We want to just hold a grudge. We want to just... Uh, every time we see them, we want to just bite their head off. <coughs> you see them at a distance. You take your fingers and you pick it up and you go, squish, 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 squish. <laughs> and hope nobody saw you do it. But down deep inside, it's eating at your soul. It's eating at your heart. It's eating at your mind. When we have been lied to and deceived, God's standard is for us to forgive. Forgiveness may not come quickly, but we must begin the process to forgive. We must begin the process to forgive, for the Lord said that we must forgive just as He has forgiven us. So if you have been lied to or deceived, uh, if you have been part of a scam, if something has happened in your life, here's something I need you to know. You're going to have to forgive. It doesn't mean that you have to be best friends. It doesn't mean that you have to be buddy buddies and you have to let those people back into your life or, 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 or answer that phone call next time it comes in. It just simply means you must forgive and leave them. See, when you forgive someone, you know whose hands you leave them in? God's hands not yours to wreak revenge. So let me encourage you to forgive. And forgive yourself. Sometimes when we get scammed, we get angry with ourselves, don't we? We get upset. Joshua could have, could have probably gone into his tent and said, Man, how dumb can I be? That was just stupid. Why did I do that? Why did I fall for it? I've been there. I've said that. Thing is, we have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive others. Because if we do not, you know what that's going to do? It is going to eat at us like a cancer with our relationship with God. We're not going to be able to hear from Him and do what He's called us to do. So we must forgive. But what must I do? First thing is, act with integrity. Act with integrity in everything you do. It just doesn't simply mean in the small things. If you've told somebody you're going to do it and they deceive you, do it anyway. Let God deal with them and you will receive a blessing from Him. I'd rather receive a blessing from Him than save a little money, to be honest with you. Because God owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills and He can sell some of those cattle and help me out a lot more financially than just saving a little money because I've said I would do something. So I encourage you today to act with integrity. Charles Spurgeon said, Your opponents know if they destroy your integrity, they can do away with your usefulness, fruitfulness, and ability to serve the Lord. And we have an enemy called Satan who wants to do everything he can to absolutely destroy your usefulness, your fruitfulness, and your ability to serve the Lord. Because you are a threat to the, His kingdom. So I encourage you today to act with integrity in everything. Second thing is this. Both the Gibeonites and Joshua and the children of Israel had to accept the consequences of the lie and the deceit. They had to deal with what they had. They had to just move forward. They had to move on. They had to just go another step and just continue to seek after what God had called them to do. 
So today, as we look at this, verse 20 and 21, This we will do to them, even let them live, so that wrath will not be upon us for the oath, oath which we swore to them. The leader said to them, Let them live. So they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. There were consequences. Consequences to the deceit and to the lie. But what I love is Joshua and the leaders of Israel did not compromise their integrity of what they had sworn. Let us be the same. Let us do the same. So your seven-day challenge this upcoming week is to ask God to show you if you have not forgiven someone who has deceived you, who has done you wrong, who scammed you, who has lied to you. Ask God to show you if there's someone in your life that you have not forgiven. Because can I just kind of tell you a little tidbit, a pro, a pro tip here? Sometimes there's people you haven't forgiven and you thought you did. So I triple, double dog dare you to ask God to show you if there's someone you need to forgive who's wronged you. And then begin the process. Notice I didn't put in there, just forgive them. Because sometimes forgiveness doesn't happen like a light switch. It happens like a dimmer. And it takes some time. But begin the process. Because when you begin the process, you are forgiving them. Even if you haven't reached the destination, you are forgiving them. So if someone has done you wrong, someone has mistreated you, lied to you, deceived you, whatever. I encourage you today to grab hold of God's standard, His value, and His character. Larry, if you and Gina would come on, we're going to just sing one verse today. and Maybe you need help today forgiving someone or dealing with something that has happened in your life. Maybe you have done some lying and deceiving and you need God's help to undo the mess that you found yourself in. If that's the case, you can come today and pray with one of our deacons. Maybe you just need help to overcome some deceit that's happened in your life. You know the biggest place as a pastor I have found the deceit happened the most? It's been within families. Maybe you have someone in your family that you need to forgive for lying and deceiving you. You will never be set free. You will never find peace until you deal with it. So whatever God leads you to do, do it today. But I am very thankful that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to deal with my sin to deal with my separation from Him. And because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, I can simply ask Him to forgive me and take over my life and be made whole and new before Him. So today, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes. Right now in this silence, I want you to deal with the question Lord, what shall I do with this message today? How does it touch my life? Father, we don't want to have our way. We want to have yours. Even if it costs us something, even if it's detrimental to us, and it's not convenient and it's not exactly the way we have it mapped out or planned out, but that we have it your way and not our way. So Lord, today deal with our hearts. 
do with our lives. In Jesus' name.